Hi everyone and welcome to First Rank Fire. This is a podcast that gives me the chance to chat with some of the coolest people from around the 40k community. I'm your host Ben and in today's episode we're going to be chatting with a newly pinned Golden Demon times 2 finalist. She's got quite an eclectic choice of armies with I'd say probably each each one being more and more stunning as I see them. And I've got to say her, her painting does tempt me to pick up some more armies. Welcome to the show Rosie. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for the amazing introduction and right. mentioning the um, the two pins. Uh, I had to. Two pins. Yeah. yeah, what a, a credible achievement. So can't quite believe it myself, honestly. Like it was just a few days ago now, and I went in thinking, oh, you know what? I'll throw these models in. I didn't paint them for Golden Demon. I painted them for the tabletop. I got a bit carried away on them. I'll throw them in, and you know, I came out very pleasantly surprised. So, just yeah, casually taking home two pins for for tabletop standard yeah. minis. Yes, yeah, yeah. just a well, normal day. <laughs> just a, just an average day when you uh, spend a week on one mini when you really shouldn't be. <laughs> okay, I'll crack straight into the questions. What right. originally got you into Warhammer? Oh, so this goes all the way back. Like I imagine a lot of people, it does goes all the way back to. Probably me being 11 or 12-ish, mm-hmm. I had a next-door neighbour, uh, someone who was a few years older than me, and we would go and hang out. Me, I have an older brother and a younger brother, and all of us being similar ages back then, my older brother was three years older than me, my younger was two years younger than me. So we would all sort of go around the next-door neighbours together, and our next-door neighbour had these Lord of the Rings miniatures back then. Yeah. We're talking... 13 years ago so they were mostly metal some plastic and I remember me being at that age loving Lord of the Rings still do yeah as most most people now most nerds now do just <laughs> love the hell out of Lord of the Rings and me thinking like wow this is incredible where can I get some of these and I saw everything like oh there's this place called Games Workshop and from there Obviously, there was a games workshop in Enfield, where I live in North London. Uh, then it disappeared after a while, and then another one came back later. Okay. But back then, we went to that one and just went from there, really. Uh, I got a very, like you said, eclectic mix of models. <laughs> I think I have vague memories of having a box of the old Warhammer Fantasy Zombies. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just thinking those were the coolest things ever. And then I think somehow from there I got onto Tyranids, which was actually my first army. Okay. And then from there I collected a little bit of Space Marines. Uh, Chaos Space Marines, actually, not normal Space Marines. My brother <laughs> collected yeah. my older brother with normal Space Marines. So it kind of became a, a thing we did together. But I never really delved into it that much back then because, you know, being that young, brains all over the place, you know, your mind's on a million yeah. different things at once growing up. And a lot, like a lot of people, I fell out of it in my teenage years. And the models went into my cupboard. They weren't touched for ages. I almost sold all of them at one point. Thank God I didn't. Because <laughs> a few years ago, a friend of mine just said, hey, have you heard of this thing called Warhammer? And I was like, <laughs> I have. And they were like, do you want to get into it? And I was like, I was. I'd love to get back. And it's it's been... I say smooth sailing ever since. It's been consuming my life ever since. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, as it does with everybody. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's been a crazy, crazy two years, a couple of years for you, hasn't it? You've, you've skyrocketed on like Instagram and you've worked with Siege Studios and. Yeah, I think it's almost been about three years since I got back into it. And it has been like, I have to say, the improvement that I've seen in my own stuff has been way more than I ever expected. And again, getting followers on Instagram, getting, getting a job at Siege Studios. It's been amazing, but yeah, that's mostly been down to the fact that when I say it's been overtaking my life, it did. It really yeah. did. I think the first two years, I must have spent easily 50 hours uh, a day. Have you had to pay? No, just oh, a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was 50 hours a day so I could paint 50 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on it. In fact, they only went part-time, so I spent... Yeah all of my time on it and that's I have to credit sort of my improvement to to that uh, just almost religious level of painting just yeah. really stuck at my desk yeah some dedication to do, to do that much it, it does show I and mean, you did a post uh, it was quite okay now I think I was looking back through your Instagram when I sort of first found you it must have been like mm. December was it December of 22 I think you, sh- you compared like a a 2019 mini to your like December 22 mini and it's you're like you're like 2019 level of painting was probably my painting now but like the, you can see <laughs> such a huge a huge change it's it's so smooth and sort of a lot of the freehand is it's stunning mm, yeah and the crazy thing is i know it's exactly what posts are talking about um it was me comparing a emperor's children chaos moon that i painted mm. then to my first ever painted well First painted model getting back into the hobby. First painted model as an adult. Yeah. Being also a Chaos Marine, being the older sculpt, but still being the same colour scheme. And me just yeah. coming back and revising that scheme and trying to do it better. And the crazy thing about that is the new Marine in that post, I didn't paint much more Chaos for quite a few months after that. Yeah, right. And jump back into them now. And the ones I've painted now are way much better than that other one. <laughs> you have to so do now the comparison that I've yeah, yeah, I do have to. Yeah, well, actually, the um, the ones I've painted now are what won one of my uh, finalist pins at Golden oh, Demon. Nice. I entered into the forty k squad with the three chaos moons, and oh, cool. Yeah, I went a bit nuts with them. They're basic troops. They shouldn't be. I put about 30 hours of work into each, so wow. I need to really uh, cut back on that. Not cut corners, <laughs> but find shortcuts to how to do them quicker. Otherwise, I'll never get a full army done. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoy painting them, and that's what kind of that's what brings it back to actually being a reality for me. Is that I don't mind if I never get a 2,000 point army out if I paint 500 points, and they all look. As, as nice of a, as I've done those ones, I'm happy with that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the point of the hobby, isn't it? It's, it's to have that enjoyment of it. And if you want to spend time painting, then you spend the time painting. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's why everyone sort of has their, their different enjoyment, enjoyable parts of the hobby. Yeah, exactly. And I love you say that, all parts. Sorry. I mean, that was going to be one of, my exact next question was sort of what, what would you consider sort of your favourite part? Would it be the, the painting part of the hobby or would it be something else? I think it definitely fluctuates. I think. If I, most of the time, yes, it is the painting. Obviously, I very much enjoy the painting. 
if I do too much painting, I'm starting to, you know, like really hanker for a game. Yeah. And then I'll play a few games in about you know, a couple of weeks and then I'll go, okay, I've had a few games. Now I really want to go back to painting. So it does sort of balance back and forth. But overall, if I have to sort of summarize up my absolute favorite moment of any part of the entire hobby, it is first, it's getting into a game. And when you deploy your army, seeing that I have my entire army that I've spent dozens and dozens of hours on painting up, making it look very nice. Just having that all laid out on the board, that very specific moment is my favorite yeah. part of it all. Because it combines the two sides and it sort of puts all of my work into something that I can then use and be proud of. And I'm yeah. very proud of it all. As you should be. You've got some incredible models. Yeah, so you definitely should be proud. I completely know what you mean about that, that feeling. I mm -hmm. went to my first ever tournament this weekend just gone so this episode comes out over like two or three weeks ago but um yeah it felt weird it's the first time in a long time probably since pre-covid that i had like a, a seven, it was only 750 points because we were playing doubles but 750 points of painted models that i put on the table i went oh I, I did that that's that's cool i've got them on the board they're all painted this is good i get an extra 10 points yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10 points yeah. is always important it definitely is, yeah. I mean, we got beat enough that the weekend anyway. Those those ten points would have would have yeah killed us otherwise. Yeah, oh, no, there really is nothing like getting that full full fully painted army out there. It's great. Yeah. So I think you can sort of see across your your Instagram anyway, and and sort of stuff you talked about already. You're you do you predominantly play forty k, or do you do sort of other gaming systems or gaming styles or anything like that? It is. Yeah, ninety five percent forty k. I am starting to branch out into other things. I think I've only sort of just gotten to that point where I want to explore out and mm. find other things to do. Uh, obviously, the big one on my list is to learn how to play Age of Sigma. Yep. Because my girlfriend Izzy, it's she's a massive Age of Sigma player. She has, you know, she has about six thousand points of painted Sylvaneth, and then. Wow. You know, another 6,000 just built. And she is, she knows everything about Age of Sigmar. She knows all the lore. And she's been begging me to get to play a game with her. <laughs> and I've been really wanting to, to be honest. It is just having the time to paint another army. Mm. I sort of have a bit of a, a bit of a rule that I impose on myself is that I'm not allowed to bring a model to a game. No matter what game, I'm not allowed to bring a model to the game unless it's fully painted. I do break this rule from time to time, <laughs> but never more than a few models or models that are you know, almost done. So finding time to paint that whole new army to do Age of Sigmar is, has been hard, but I'm slowly getting there with some uh, demonettes and also some Nighthorn just around the corner. Okay. Yeah. Because I've always loved, I always love, I love everything about ghosts and nice. <laughs> just yeah. the idea of having these spooky little ghost skeleton boys i love that idea so that's an army that's around the corner uh, in terms of completely other game systems moving away from games workshop marvel crisis protocol is quickly becoming a thing um i think what really i've always been interested in that but what really spurred me on to get into it is uh there's been a recent run of the she, uh, she hulk comic mm. and i sort of I was wandering around 
I think it was Nottingham. I think it was the first time I went to Warhammer World several months ago um, with Izzy. And we were just in the town and we found a forbidden planet. And we just wandered in there, wander around, see what we can find, see if there's anything cool. And I was like, oh, that's a She-Hulk comic. I've always liked She-Hulk as a character. Oh, it's, it's issue number three. Oh, is this like a recent thing? And I went to the cashier and I said, how recent is this? And they were like, oh, it just came out. Run just started a few months ago. And I was like, amazing. I'll, I'm just, I guess I'm going to start collecting this. Nice. And that sort of spurred me on to liking She-Hulk a lot more. And then from that, Izzy bought me the She-Hulk model from Alpha Crisis Protocol for Christmas. And I got on that and it ended up being probably the best thing I've ever painted. It's incredible. Absolutely. Thank you. It, it might be sort of one of the first things that I saw on your Instagram. I'm pretty new to Instagram and stuff like that. Basically, this podcast kind of like boosted me into it. It's so incredible. So, so beautiful. Yeah, it, it's probably one of the better models that I've seen on Instagram. It's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I just... It's it's a character that I love so much and I just really want to do it as much justice as I could. So I just put easily 60 plus hours into her. Nice. And that sort of made me think, this is a nice model. What other Marvel Crisis Protocol models are there? Mm. And then through that, I've sort of unlocked some old memories of being a kid and watching the old Spider-Man cartoons. Nice. And yeah. realizing the models I want to get for Marvel are the what's referred to in the game as the Spider-Foes. So it's all okay. Spider-Man's villains. So you've got yeah. Mysterio, Lizard, Doc Ock, Venom, Green Goblin, that bunch, that amazing, crazy bunch. <laughs> Just sort of unlocked a lot of memories of loving them as a kid. Yeah. And now, now I'm just absolutely so excited to get them all painted up and get them out into a game. And I've played a handful of, of Marvel Crisis Protocol, Protocol games now. Okay. But... You know, still getting grips on the rules, still building up a, a roster. Uh, but yeah, aside from Age of Sigma and through extension of that Warcry, yeah, and then Marvel Quest Protocol, I haven't really looked at any other game systems. I'm thinking maybe Necromunda far down the line. I, I quite like the look of the Delap gang. They're quite yeah. spooky. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Angry. Yeah, I thought like maybe a mad scientist sort of yeah. colour scheme, like white yeah. lab coats, splattered with blood, could be quite nice. That'd be awesome. Uh, but that's, it would be really nice to do. But once again, I just <laughs> don't have the time. I'd yeah. love to. It will, on my list, it's far down the future. But I will get around to it. One day, one day I'll get around to yeah. it. Yeah. You've painted all of your, your other 20,000 points worth of models. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm not even kidding. I have a cupboard to the right of me that is, it's my cupboard of shame now. I don't have a pile anymore. It's a whole cupboard. And yeah, I know that feeling. That's, that's what that cupboard is. Easily, right. yeah, 10 plus thousand points. Wow. <laughs> of yeah. yeah, I need to, and to stop buying and start painting more. That's what we all say. But then you see the next new mini. I mean, the, the new releases that came through Warhammer Fest are just... Oh, yeah. those are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. As a Space Marine player, a Dark Angels player, and I see Terminators, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's that's dangerous. 
Mm. Oh, those new Terminators in like the dark green. Do you do dark green with your dark angels? No, so uh, Terminators, I do the Deathwing. It's Deathwing colours, I get brain, brain oh, colour. Oh, yes, of course. The nice, the beige colour scheme, yeah. Still yeah. going to look amazing on those. Those lovely smooth panels, that's going to look great. Yeah. I'm hoping they bring out like a Deathwing Knight or a Deathwing Terminator, like Sprue or something like that, to, to upgrade them just to make them more Dark Angels y, but yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to them. Yeah. Well, yeah. with the Lion being released, I'm hoping they do a lot more sort of expansion of chapter specific things because yeah. if there's one thing I love in the hobby it's the diversity of models and mm. just the flavour that you can get into them Yeah. so a lot I think I heard a lot about primaries as people were saying oh they're all same, they're a bit too samey yes there are upgrades yeah. to certain chapters but you know apparently firstborn primaries had way more individual units and stuff like that I'd love to see that come back and just have way more flavorful, yeah, chapter specific units. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I think you started to sort of see some of it come through when you look at like the Victrix Guard for the Ultramarines. I think the um, uh, yeah, the Dark, Dark, Dark Angels got obviously your Deathwing, but they've never been pulled forward. But yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to see some more. I'd like to see some stuff like for the, the White Scars. I, I hope they sort of get some new bikers and things. I think that's one of the key things that's missing from Primarice range is, is some really cool bikers. I guess there's jump packs as well, but I think Dante's maybe the first step forward into those sort of jump pack marines. But, yeah, yeah, maybe it's a herald of things to come. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see whether or not they start to pull that through into some of the sort of Primaris, uh, the, uh, Primaris into some of the Chaos type. So whether or not they upscale some of the, uh, Chaos Space Marines or anything like that, which would give you a, a bit of a nightmare because then you've got more, more models to paint. Oh, I know. Yeah. Most of my current Chaos Marines are the older, older sculpt. Okay. It's only even smaller. Got, yeah. Way smaller, like a full head smaller. <laughs> and once I don't think the new Chaos Marines need to be sized up compared to Primaris no. because they are a little bit shorter, but that is yeah. kind of how it's supposed to be in the law, isn't it? They yeah. are still firstborn correct by Chaos, but then you make it back when you have the Chaos Marines who are the possessed and yeah. human princes and the ones that have grown bigger and mutated through Chaos, yeah. and that's definitely what brings it way back to being cooler. Yeah, like the obliterators. I think the obliterators are awesome models. Those new ones. Did they come out with um? Was it, was it Shadow Spear they came out with? It was the same time as the Venom Crawler, wasn't it? I, no I think that was round about when I was getting back into the hobby. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Shadow Spear they came out with, and it was the the Venom Crawler. They all came out as part of the same one. It was like when the Phobos Space Marines came out at the same time. Yeah, Venom Crawler and the Bitterages are on the same sprue. I know that much. Yeah, yeah, so much between that one. Yeah, it's a real pain. Mm. Yeah, I do love those models. I think they're cool. I think I've got some somewhere. I bought I bought the Shadow Spear, and I don't think I ever split it and got rid of the the Chaos Space Marines. I'm using them now as uh, facing. Yeah, well, I have too many armies already. But I'm what I'm doing is I'm painting up some of the Legionaries or whatever they're called and putting them on the bases of my Chaos Knights. So they're just yes, like wandering around the, underneath my Chaos Knights. Oh, that's great. I love, I do a similar thing. I love it when people use spare models as just base decoration. Yeah. Whether it's ruins or corpses or 
then wandering around, just adding life to that base and adding a sort of diorama element and see a yeah. scene to it. That's I really love it when people do that. Yeah, I've sprayed them all, so they're all they're all prime versions. I actually paint them, which is yeah, it's not my forte. Is painting at speed, that's for sure. Yeah. No, no, neither. I'm very slow. <laughs> I mean, your painting is significantly better than mine, so you have a good reason for it. So there is that sort of balance, but I'll get there. One of my aims this year, having seen all of the incredible Golden Demon stuff, and I spoke to um, Kerry, K-Legs, and mm. this was the first time that she did it, and she sort of set the thing, and she got me thinking, is this something I could do? So I was thinking this year, or this, the next year, I guess, technically, is um, maybe I'll pick up the lion and try and do him as a Golden yeah. Demon entry. Yeah. 100% do that, yeah, because yeah. even if even if it's not for a competition, I think just anyone who wants to get better at painting is just to pick one model and just think, I'm going to do the best I absolutely can on this. Yeah. And that is just how you push yourself. And I think that's an amazing idea. Honestly, go for it. It'd be awesome yeah. to see it in the cabinet. And the line is a lovely model for that. Yeah, I mean, that's the, he's the Primarch of the first. They're my favourite army, so it kind of made sense that he would be the one that I really sort of pushed myself. And yeah, I think having come in on this podcast and chatting with people like you and, and Kerry and some of the other, like, Quipster and people like that, some of the incredible painters out there, it's, it's motivating me to do better with mine. So it's, yeah, even if the podcast is good for one thing, it's good that for that for me, that's for sure. Right. We've talked about a few different armies there, sort of Emperor's Children uh, and a few others. What would you say your favourite army is? Would it be the Emperor's Children? Oof, there is this, again, this sort of jumps back and forth. I, my two go-tos are Emperor's Children or my Necrons. Okay. And I think what happens is my Emperor's Children, they have sort of a nostalgia for me. There's, yeah. they're all my first time getting back into it. I love them to bits. I love all the lore about them. I love everything about Fulgrim's downfall and downfall the Legion in general. Um, I'm currently listening to the Horse House book Fulgrim again, so that's getting me back nice. into the mood to paint more yeah. Emperor's Children. But then what I'll do is I'll be so excited to paint Emperor's Children and I'll put all my effort of my spare time into painting them. But I'll do that for a few weeks and then I'll sort of think, okay, I'm a little bit sick of them now. Yeah. What are the Necrons doing? Oh yeah, let's do some <laughs> Necrons. And then they become my favourite army. Yeah. So I'll jump back between the two. But if, oof, if I had to just overall choose, I think it would have to be Necrons. Okay. I think they just, they take the cake a little bit in that, they just hit that sweet spot for me of, they are the ultimate sort of bad guys. Yeah. In that, yeah. they're just these undead living metal skeleton robots who ruled the galaxy they've been around for 60 million years they were here before any other people were even yeah. like evolved and they just are decrepit and <laughs> angry and bitter yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just love all of that about them the fact that some of them have lost their mind the fact that some of them are just like petty children like millions of years. It's just all of that. I love all of that about the Necrons. Yeah, I loved the, the I've read what well, I've listened to, uh, the Trazin um, Oberon book, and I've listened to the two, what are the latest ones? Uh, the, ooh, 
Was that King? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Rain I'll listen to this. Yeah, listen yeah. to both those. As much as I love listening to Horace Heresy and I'm listening to the new Lion book now, they've got to be some of my favourite 40k books or just Black Library books. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them. The, the Trazenobri one, I just think, is so, so funny at times. Yeah, but the uh, Infinite Divine with Traz and Anorakan, they yeah. are just... That book, I think, I've listened to it as audiobook. I don't have time to read a full book. Stick yeah, it on my campaign, get it done a few days. I've listened to it, um, I think, maybe five times now. Wow. Yeah, I think definitely five times. Three just on my own over time. <laughs> <laughs> Once when I was working in the office with Siege Studios, because the other two painters who had worked there, um, Adam and Nick, they hadn't heard it. So I was like, I'm going to oh. put this in. Yeah. You have to hear it. And then um, a few weeks ago, Izzy was staying around here for a few weeks. Uh, she had some plumbing issues, so she had to live here. And I was like, hey, whilst we're painting, <laughs> listen to this book. <laughs> so I got her to listen to it as well. She and she loved it. it. Yeah, and nice. yeah, that that book is honestly my favourite book of, of, of all of all 40k books. I haven't read a lot of Warhammer books in general. Probably only 10, 15. Yeah, something to me, yeah. Yeah, but that one just, I don't see how any could be better. It just blends, blends like such a rich lore with these two very comedic characters, these yeah. two old men bickering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Spoilers for anyone who's listening to this and hasn't listened or read the book. Over time, they sort of just stop being enemies and start being friends and then work together. And then they hate each other, but they love each other. It's yeah. really nice. It's, it's a bromance for the ages. Romance yeah. through the ages. It literally, literally goes on for 2,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they see the rise and the, the fall of that planet two or three times until it gets destroyed yeah yeah it's honestly such such an amazing book hands off to the the author who wrote that i should know robert rath is bringing to mind but i think that might be the horse heresy writer but yeah it's yeah just it's a great book amazing book cool okay before we move away from the game of warhammer there's sort of one glaring thing that that I'm sort of talking about now more recently than ever. Are you looking forward to tenth edition? Well, we know it's official. Oh yeah, I've I've had a little bit of um, I don't want to say controversy around this. I think okay. controversy is a bit of a a strong word, but <laughs> essentially, about a month ago, there was a Warhammer community article talking about, hey, we're cutting stratagems. There's going to be very few stratagems, and I put out an Instagram story saying. I hate this. Let me have my 20 strategies, please. <laughs> yes. I don't yes. care that 15 of them are worthless. I like, <laughs> I like the flavor. And I must have gotten easily 30 messages from various people saying anything from you're an idiot, that's stupid. I hate stratagems to I also love stratagems. I wish they would just, you know, put them in a booster pack that's optional. Mm, yeah. And, in terms of 10th overall, I'm skeptical, but okay. I, th- I think that's because I've grown so comfortable with 9th now. Mm. I feel like only in the past few months I've gotten a final solid grip of the rules of 9th, and now that it's moving into a whole 
new edition, I guess I'm just worried of change. And with the drip feeding with new rules over Warhammer community articles, some of them have made me think, oh God, I hate this change. Some of them have made me think, this is actually really cool. I like this for the game. So it's a big mixed balance, a big mixed pot of love this, hate that. I think I can't really make my mind up about it until I have the full rule book in my hands. Yeah. I've read through it at least once and I've played a few games with it. Because as much as GW loves to drip free the, drip free the rules, you can't really know how the full game is going to be until you've played it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there was, there was a big thing recently in the last few days about Land Raiders, because that was the, mm-hmm. the sort of big reveal. And so many groups that I'm on, they're like, oh, Land Raiders are back, I'm going to put all these units in it, I'm going to bomb forward, they're going to be broken. And I'm like, well, they could be, based on the rules that we currently have now, mixed with what you've just read. Because if you put that Land Raider in the current edition, yes, it would be crazy, it would be nigh unkillable. You'd be able to mm-hmm. kick out Gravis or Terminators at the, end, at the other end of it, mixed with a character, and they'd go and kill things. Yeah, it'd be, be crazy. But it's not going to live in ninth edition. It's going to be in tenth. So actually, how is it going to behave? We don't know. Exactly. It's all about the greater context of the game. Yeah. And I think it it is so easy to see rules change and think, oh, that is terrible. Oh, I hate that. Oh, that's going to ruin the game. But yeah, exactly like you said, it's not going to be ninth. It's going to be tenth. This is Games Workshop, a multi-million pound company, maybe even billion at this point. I haven't checked. Know, it's but, crazy money, but yeah. Oh god, yeah, they're expanding so big. They wouldn't just kick out this massive new edition and not try and balance these sort of things. You know, there's always checks and balances. They're not gonna just I think they've they may have finally learnt from the Votan book. <laughs> yeah, but they can't yeah. just you know, they have to give things enough now and then. It can't just be more, 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 better, better, better. Yeah, and I do like the idea of releasing everything at once. Uh, given that, like all the data cards, all the data sheets, and the core rules are going to be released all at once. But I think the downside of that is not everything can be released at once. Because I think mm-hmm. what's happening is every army is going to have three sub factions, which are yeah. now called detachments. Which yeah. I don't like, just call them sub-factions. Calling them attachments is going to confuse them because there's an old thing called attachments, which don't yeah. exist anymore. There's, that's, that's a little uh, pet peeve I have with Games Workshop is don't call a new thing the same name as an old thing that doesn't exist when they're completely different. Yeah, that makes sense. Give it yeah. a new name. I think each army is going to have three sub-factions and then each each faction is only going to get one of those sub factions on the big release of tenth. Yeah. Until okay, yeah. they get their codex and then they'll yeah. get the two more sub factions. So the bit I'm not looking forward to is when tenth drops and I have to wait until winter to play anything other than the single Necron sub faction that I'm gonna have. Yeah. I mean I remember when eighth edition came out because that was that was when I started. So I, I knew a little bit about 7th and about how the sort of detachments were built there and, and how they, the units were built. 8th feels very much like what they're doing with 10th. They cut everything out, they brought out the indexes, and it was all like a really, really fresh start. And it, it felt it felt good. It, I mean, I don't 
it's a strange one because it it was the first sort of games that I was playing. It felt accessible, a lot more accessible. I think that's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm with you. I love the amount of stratagems. I and I know I'm probably going to get 30 odd messages now saying that I'm stupid and it's, it, they should get rid of them. But I I quite like the number of stratagems. But I do feel like at the moment it it's a it is quite bloated. I know with Arcs of Omen they cut that down a little bit, but but going to the uh, yeah, so I went to the the tournament that I went to. I took three different FAQs, my the call or the Arcs of Omen book, my Space Marine book, the Dark Angels book. I had like six different things to as you look at at any one point. It just felt like it felt like too much to to do and try and remember. Yeah, yeah, I think that's just that's an inevitable with a game like Warhammer where yeah. updates have to be made over time is it will just become layers on layers on layers and there will just be so many things to keep track of and I think I've managed to avoid the worst of that when it comes to Necrons being the main thing I've played throughout night I think 90% of my games have been with Necrons and they got all of their changes early on with the Arachas and very concise sweeping changes so I literally just had to go through my book and you know add the core keyword to these data sheets and cross out this word from this rule and then I was done in terms of updates I just had to have my codex and the current chapter approved yeah but I have seen it a lot with people who I play with a lot of my friends who I play with I'll get to a game with them I'll be like okay my detachment is the Arcs of Omen detachment because we're now in Arcs of Omen yeah I'll go through my army list and they'll be like Okay, my uh, attachment, I've got uh, a brigade attachment and a control attachment. I'm, and I go, those don't exist anymore. And they <laughs> yeah. go, huh? And I go, yeah, it's all arcs of Omen now. Do you, do you know this? And they go, no. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a big back and forth. And yeah, that's just inevitable with a game like Warhammer. And I think in at, at that end... Yes, it's good to have a big addition, sort of restart, not a restart necessarily, but a new thing going forward. Yeah. Uh, almost like a checkpoint where yeah. this is what's new, this is what's set in stone, we're going from here forward. But the other half of me would just like them to keep going with ninth, but also check mark, sort of just. Yeah. Get all the errors and get all of that and put that into a 9.5, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, Games Workshop, you can't beat the big splendor of a new edition, double digits, 10th yeah. edition, new box, Leviathan, all these new minis, Tyranids are now the big bad. And I love that. I love all of that. The excitement around that and the hype that's building up to that actually sort of cancels out any of my <laughs> my worries about rules or anything it's just the atmosphere and, and the excitement that people get from it and that i get through that is uh, honestly better <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I completely yeah i completely get your concerns and i think it's they're all very i, I do i would like the idea of a, a 9.5 and you, you could do a similar thing say okay this is 9.5 we're going to bring out this new new brand new box set it's going to be really big we're, like I say, we're baselining all the rules, new new correlation, and actually we're, we're going to put all the rules up online. So they could have they could have done all that still. 
yeah, that's, that's an interesting mm-hmm. point. I haven't, I haven't really considered it as, as that way. Yeah. Okay. We'll move away from Warhammer as a, as a game now. We'll sort of move on to more of the, the community side of the, the things that you do. Okay. I'll kick off though with, with one question that is now relevant, but how was Warf- Warhammer Fest? Oh, Warhammer Fest was, um, oh, the death of my feet, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> by the end of it, I couldn't walk. I, my feet still hurt and it's been, you know, a whole day of coach tripping back and a whole day of today resting. Uh, but other than that, it's, it was amazing. It's such a, a just a massive experience. Mm. And obviously we had to go for, all three days, but then having to coach up there, not being able yeah. to board a train, and then having to coach back turned it into a five-day experience. Yeah. But Warhammer Fest itself, amazing. Uh, just the atmosphere in general, getting to see all of the entries for Golden Demon, getting to talk to a bunch of people who I'd spoken to online but never met, yeah. getting to hang out with friends who I don't get to see often. I got to see Suds, Louise, which is always amazing. Nice. Uh hang out with Quipster. I got to meet Maxine and Katie for the first time. Yeah, just amazing getting to talk to all these people and getting to see all these things. And being in that crowd when I think when the um the Viathan box was announced and seeing all these new minis was just a great experience. And yeah, it's I, I can't say enough good things about it, to be honest. It's been it's, a bit of a mad one. Cause I've, I've seen quite a few sort of mixed things online and sort of through my, my local game group. There's been, there's been sort of a few people that have been like, oh, I went there and there was nothing to do. There's just loads of queues. But then you mm-hmm. sort of see a lot of the content creator side, and there'll be quite a lot of sort of pessimism around this and about the, the way that content creators are. But there's been quite a lot of content creators out there that absolutely loved it, went there and, and just sort of, really got immersed in it, so it's similar to what you're saying. It's, it's, it's interesting to sort of see that that dynamic change. And I wonder if it's because it's from a, a content creator point of view where, like you say, you, you're going and talking to all of these people that you're, you're talking to quite a lot and things like that, and whether or not there's there's quite a lot of people in the non-content creation side or quite that stick to the sort of their local local area that maybe they, they, they went and they didn't get that fuller experience of seeing people from all over the country and things like that but yeah for me from my point of view it looked incredible i couldn't go this year i hope to go next year but yeah it looked incredible and yeah all the big announcements and things like that it looked cool yeah i do think you make a really good point with um people complaining about queues and saying there wasn't a lot to do if you went there with purely the intent of taking part in the physical activities, things like getting the fair game of 10th, uh, going to the, the Koyo pin badge booth or going to any of the Warhammer gaming booths. There wasn't a whole lot of core content mm. to a lot of activities and it would have been most of the time queuing. And because of that, me and Izzy, we didn't, uh, do any of the main activities. We, just looked at all of them and just thought, we don't want to queue. Yeah. We'd rather, yeah, we're, we're not so excited to do these things that we're willing to 
you for hours to do them. I think mm. the thing I was probably the most excited to do, or in terms of the activities there, would would have been to have played played a game of tenth. Mm. Even on a Monday afternoon, the quietest it was in the hall in general, the waiting time was still over an hour. Wow. So we just thought, well, I just thought I'd rather, I'd rather wait a month and play a game of 10th at Badman Cafe in London yeah. than wait an hour and play a game of 10th over there. And it wasn't even really a game of 10th. It was more of six people stand around a table whilst, whilst a person narrates a game of 10th. Right, yeah. Yeah, so in terms of the core content for the majority of people, I think Games Workshop might need to step it up a bit, maybe have just more things to do in general. Mm. But in terms of yeah, the social side of it, having friends there and getting to hang out with people, that really opened up such another massive aspect of it that took a lot took up most of our time was talking to people, yeah. hanging out and getting to meet new people and, and going around and, and seeing Golden Demon. Yeah. Obviously being like as intimate as much into painting as I am, I think I must have spent easily six, seven hours just wandering around those cabinets trying to get wow. a look at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was about I think somebody said I think Quipster might have said there was four thousand eight hundred entries across the wow. entire thing. That's mad. That's so many. I might be completely misquoting that number because that does seem like a crazy number. I mean, no, I, I, yeah, you might be right, but uh, yeah, that's, mm. yeah, because there's yeah. there's quite a lot of cabinets, weren't there? There's yeah, tons of pictures. Oh, there must have been fifteen cabinets along, and then another ten cabinets on the short side of it. So wow, yeah, forty, fifty cabinets maybe. All of them shelves absolutely stacked with entries most of which were amazing and just nowhere near enough time yeah uh, I, I could have i could have spent the entire event just wandering around those cabinets but yeah a lot of other people also wanted to <laughs> yeah after spending a good few hours i thought okay i'm gonna let some other people <laughs> in actually have a look i'm hogging these cabinets a little bit well you know it's, it's one of the sort of things that you love so yeah, yeah exactly yeah and i couldn't I couldn't not. I just had to really take my time. Some of the entries, you'd walk along, you'd catch like a side air of them, and then you'd have to stop and go, oh, okay. And you get a bit closer and you sort of lean down and you go, oh, oh, oh my God, okay. <laughs> and then you enter this trance of, I'm yeah. going to be here for 20 minutes. Everybody behind <laughs> me, could you just wait a second? I need to look at every every single angle of this model. Every single highlight, every single color, every single shade. I need to study this thing. Like my life depends on it. Because <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how, fair. that's how I want to be in the future. I want to be entering those models that make people look, look down and go, Oh my God. I want, yeah. Yeah. How you get there is by, by studying people who are doing it now. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Enough about one of us. Um, what originally got you into sort of content creation and, and painting and putting things up on Instagram? Is that right? God, well, it's strange because I don't really consider what I do content creation. I sort of consider what I do painting things I like and then just showing them off. 
Like, yeah, okay. I'm proud of this thing. <laughs> I'm going to take some pictures and throw it onto the, 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 the mass that is the internet. If people like it, people like it. Yeah. That's cool. It spurs me on to do more. I think I just, in the first place, uh, I think if you scroll all the way to the end of my Instagram, the first, like, three pictures are just of my cat. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> a big Instagram with the intent, intent of, I'm going to do this for painting. I'm going to do this to you know, get a million followers, whatever. Yeah. I just sort of, at one point, I was like, I want to, I'm proud of this model. I want to show it off. Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of this little freehand I did. I want to show it off. And then it just sort of just kept going like that until it's become almost a routine of, mm, yeah. okay, I need to have content. I need to have at least one post a week preferably two posts a week. Uh, I want to maybe make a main post and then a slightly smaller post. I want to have something that's finished and then I want to do some stories about it. And it sort of just became that. It's it's still weird to me that I think I hit 6,000 followers over Warhammer Fest. And that's still... Thank you. It's, I completely missed it. <laughs> I was like, too busy <laughs> running around the hall talking to people. And it still blows my mind that 6,000 people want to see the tiny little plastic models that are painted. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of happened. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Like I say, the painting on there is incredible. And I think it's, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. I think a lot of the stuff on Instagram for me, sort of when I go through and look at it, it sort of, it inspires me to try and do better with my painting. It inspires me to sort of do more of the hobby, I guess. So it's, yeah, it's nice to go th go see and see that variance. And I think the more people that you sort of follow, you, you do get a lot of variance of different models you see and different paint techniques and things like that. So it doesn't, it's like I say, it doesn't surprise me. You've got like a quite a unique scheme, especially like you've got your Empress Shield and things like that. You, your key, your painting is so clean. It's, it's incredible. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that you've got 6,000, over 6,000 followers now. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm exactly the same with, um, seeing other people's things on Instagram and that inspiring me to do more it's there are some people on there that every time they post something it's just makes me think oh damn now now i gotta go paint <laughs> that <laughs> i gotta go do yep. that yeah yeah the golden demon winner that when i saw that i was like that is just incredible like mm -hmm. you see stuff like that and you're like i don't a i don't understand how people paint it like that but but b yeah instantly you go oh i that model looks incredible. I want to go and look at that model and paint it. Yeah. 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 The, the Slayer or winner, the, um, that model just, I remember when it came up, I managed to get into the auditorium for the ceremony at the end of one yeah. fest. So when it came up on, when he won gold in the AOS, uh, single match category, I leaned over to Izzy and I just said, that's, that's Slayer Sword. It's got <laughs> Yeah. It's absolutely incredible because I saw it in the cabinet, it was lovely, but then you see it in professional pictures up on the projector, and it's just wow, it's just yeah. absolutely insane. And I think the, the silly thing is, for the entire time it was up on the projector, I was just looking, I was looking at the base, the, the stone <laughs> yeah. on the base yeah. was enough detail and enough put in there. For me to just get mesmerized by that and it took me a few minutes to actually sort of work my way up and go 
oh god there's the, the whole rest of it <laughs> there's more there's so much more yeah <laughs> so much more and so much better and just yeah i think that model specifically that is at the point where i look at that and i think yeah that's how, how does anybody paint that that's that's some black magic right there yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. just absolutely insane and I, I had that when I first got back into the hobby, is I would look at some painted models and I'd be like, that's crazy. I'd, I'd look at um, box art models and I'd be like, what? how how yeah. the hell do you do that? Like, how how did they get that clean? They, there must be some Photoshop in there. <laughs> yeah. But then over time, as I slowly improved and I slowly started to learn new techniques, I started to understand, okay, this is how they did that. Oh, okay. They, they can sort of get that effect by, you know, mixing some of that color in here. I wouldn't have thought to use this color to do that. That's sort of how they do that. And I think there are stages and it's definitely a sort of a learning curve where I've hit the point now where I think I could do so I can do solid box art. Takes me a bit of time, but I can do solid sort of box art. Maybe not some of the. Uh, models like um, the lion, where they've employed very nice NMM yeah. and the heavy metal, heavy metal team are really stepping it up with some of the models uh, this this last these last few big reveals. But I think it comes in stages of yeah, the the better you get, the more you can understand how certain painters do certain things, and it starts to look less like this amazing rendered like 2d piece of artwork yeah it starts to look more like okay i understand that you start to pick it apart in your head and think yeah. okay i see how that's happened i see how they've done it i don't know how like it's insane how they've done it but i can see it <laughs> yeah 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 i think i'm still at the stage where i'm like yeah that's just impossible like, yeah yeah see, seeing that i'm just like I don't, I don't even know how they how they phase that color to that color. It just it blows my mind. Yeah, lots and lots of layers. Yeah, I didn't even use a wet palette yet, so that's that gives you a lot, sort of level about where I am, somewhere down, right down at the bottom. Actually, funny enough, one of the best painters I ever uh, I've ever known, um, Ad, who works in the C Studios office, he still doesn't use a wet palette. He uses he might have changed since but back when i worked in the seed studio's office he used as a palette the underside of a cotton bud box just a little plastic box as his palette right okay yeah i and he's he painted some really amazing things (laughs) just blew my mind i was like how are you how are you using that how does your paint not dry out immediately and you're just like it just doesn't (laughs) so I think in terms of like using a wet palette, it just comes down to, you know, preference, really. Because if he can paint that well and use tools that are essentially rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to Peachy. It was this week, actually, is the, the episode that's coming out tomorrow as we're recording this. He said that oh, Suggs awesome. taught him how to use a wet palette. He hadn't used a wet palette before he met Suggs. And I was like, but you've been painting for like twenty something years. Like how it's just for me, it just seems like one of those tools that sort of every good painter uses. Um, it, again, it seems like black magic to me, but maybe I'll get there. 
people will get there. It's, it's practice and time. Yeah. So, I mean, you've just said that you sort of got six six thousand followers. You talked a little bit as of how you approach Instagram, but have you would you have any sort of advice for anybody who's looking to do something similar, looking to sort of come into the hobby and and grow a following? Oh, I think the best advice I can give is just engagement, just okay. interacting with the hobby, with the the community, yeah, the hobby community, and just getting people to respond to your posts and like your posts that will get the algorithm as much as we hate to talk about the algorithm <laughs> yeah from there onwards and just the, the algorithm will just catapult you forward and i think a great example of that is my highest performing post ever was one in which i put a question in the description it was uh, i posted the base for my necron hex mark destroyer Okay. Without the destroyer, just the base, and the base had a dead space moon on it, which had a load of green bullet holes in it. And the whole idea was, I was going to post it, and I put in the description, "What model do you think the space is for?" Yeah. And giving that question, I got more comments on that post of people guessing what it was than I think I've gotten comments on the previous ten posts, previous wow. twenty posts. It's just getting people to interact with what you're posting, putting out mm. stories, putting out questions, doing quizzes, like uh, just, yeah, in interaction is honestly the, the, the biggest thing. And yeah. I think there are definitely other people out there who have a lot better advice. People like Quipster, who... He knows he knows how to use social media. He is a social media genius. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He He's just um he knows all the tips and tricks. Yeah. I mean you you're doing something right, you get like hundreds of likes and then loads of comments. Like say you, you posted about strategies being good and you get thirty odd messages mm -hmm. off the back of that and obviously when we're sort of yes. setting up setting up this and yeah, I mean from my point of view, that's always one of the most painful things is trying to get anybody on messaging them on Instagram. You 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 don't know where you are in that sea of comments. It's, yeah. Yeah. I always try and respond to every comment and every message. And so far it has been an achievable goal. <laughs> but I feel it's slowly it's slowly drifting away, especially after the weekend Warhammer Fest. It's slowly getting to the point where I think it might start to get a bit too much, mm. but yeah, I hope I can continue to respond to everyone and sort of show everyone that I've, I'm seeing their comments and I'm seeing their engagement because I just appreciate it all so much. I've gotten such an amazing response from the community on Instagram. I don't think I've, I've had very, very, very few negative things at all. And even then, they were never really negative. They were sort of just, Oh, I disagree with your opinion. Or, yeah. oh, I don't think that color looks good. I think we should use this color. Something like that. And I think trying to respond to everyone and trying to show everyone that I see their comments and that I appreciate their interaction is, yeah, how, how I show that I appreciate their interaction. Yeah. I mean, from, from my point of view, it's kind of what I got into doing this for. This pod, the whole point around this podcast was to give me an opportunity to chat chat with cool people about 40k like i said so and actually going on instagram and, and doing that is kind of just an extension i 
there's so many cool people that like message me or email me and things like that and it's it's just giving me extra people to chat with what you care about and you can't really complain about that no yeah this hobby is an amazing hobby for just getting to know people making new friends and it is a community and yeah it's just a great way to meet new people and make new friends and i think that is just what makes it so great is Mm. what other ways are there to really meet new people when you're an adult it's there's not a lot so it's been great for that yeah Yeah, definitely you see it you see a lot on the sort of the the big people's posts and sort of your your post over the weekend there seems to be that really tight-knit community of of a lot of different groups um, so you look at like the big group like the Quipster and like War Hipster and then you and Tabletop Tactics people and uh, I know that Guy was there with, with with Mac and there's so many posts of like everyone together or different people meeting at different times and you see a lot of the different people come from such sort of different places it's it's really cool to see them come together and uh, yourself included and it, it shows the fact that yeah it is a community where just random people can make friends over the internet effectively. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a, a, a common goal of everyone to just come together through Warhammer. Yeah. Crazy how a game about endless war plays <laughs> endless <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. A last sort of question on, on this area before sort of, we move on to the real life. Your we've talked about it many times you're obviously a top class painter have you got like one i'm gonna say simple thing simple bit of advice or a simple thing that you found that really changed your painting style your painting ability and sort of really improved your your skills Mm. um i think the, the biggest sort of thing was introducing references just reference everything if you're trying to paint a brick, get up a picture of a brick and <laughs> look where look where the highlights are. I know it might be a bit boring staring at a picture of a brick, but if you really look into it and you look into where sort of the natural shades are placed, where the natural highlights are placed, how the edges sort of work with the lights, the different kinds of bricks there are, mm. and just reference with everything. Like for example, with She Hulk, I wanted there's a manhole on the base on her base and i really wanted that to be that grimy brown rusty sort of manhole look yeah and i i now have a folder in my google docs that is about seven (laughs) pictures of real life grimy rusty manholes which i just had up on my laptop as i painted and i think just having those references in all aspects of the painting of the painting side of the hobby is just a great thing to do. It's it really is how you just push it to that level of extra level of realism. Mm. And I think not even with uh, realistic real life photos, get up pictures of other people's painted models. Like for yeah. example, when I was talking about earlier with the Swiss Orbiner, that model, if I wanted to paint if I wanted to try and emulate that style, I would have that model up on my laptop and I would zoom into every little bit and I would 
there's actually a great trick that I've found out recently about is if you go on Instagram and you get a picture of something that you want to sort of copy or you want to get colours from. So let's go back to the brick example. Just get a picture of a brick wall. Hmm. You put it, you bring it up on Instagram story as a perpetual in which you can place the colour on the reference image. So what I've been doing with my Marvel models is I'll get up a a picture from one of the comics and I'll take the perpetual and I'll get this specific colour from here, this specific colour. I did it with my um, Venom, who I'm going to post in a few days. Mm-hmm. And I got this, the very specific colours and I sort of matched those up to GW colours. And you could do that with, with any picture. And getting those specific colours will help it look like the reference picture. So yeah, just references in general. I really like the idea of the, the sort of like, using the pair and matching to your paints. And, yeah, it's a really, really good bit of advice. Yeah, it's honestly, it's amazing when you do that and you find a colour which you would have never have thought to do in the first place. Like, mm. for example, um, there have been a few Golden Demon entries where they'll have a green. I think there was a, a troll a few years back that was absolutely covered in all sorts of colours that you would never think to use. Like they were shading green, they were shading greens with purples. They were okay. using like reds to, to highlight greys. It was quite crazy. And when you use a perpetual to sort of take color out of its context, out of its surroundings, it will look different yeah. because color is affected by its surroundings. Uh, I think the video that I got this idea from what this advice from was a video on tiktok and that specific i've watched a lot of tiktok it takes up almost as much time as painting (laughs) Um, but this video specifically the example they gave was a photograph of a person in red lighting and they had these quite gray desaturated sort of like colored eyes and it looked gray and desaturated but when they used that perpetual and they dragged that colour out of the red surroundings, it wasn't grey, it was green. It was like, okay. like a dark green. Yeah. So the surrounding colour really does affect the inner colours and sort of they complement each other and they change how the eye perceives them. So using that perpetual to really separate out colours allows you to then put them back together, almost like disassembling a palette yeah. and putting it back together. I think that's um, something I've just been getting into doing recently and has helped me a lot already. It's been great. That's fascinating. I'm going to have to definitely try that out. Yeah, I definitely do. Okay, we move on to the the real life stuff, which I'm I'm really looking forward to some of the answers from these questions, but you're into LARPing, right? Yes, I am. How did you get into that? Oh, this is is another one where it, it's uh, basically Izzy, my girlfriend, just, she was into it before COVID. She has a group, a friend, a group friend, friend group? Yeah, friend group. <laughs> yep. Group friend. She has a friend group who go to it quite a lot. They have a whole in-character sort of, not gang, uh, but it's a group. It's called the Traveling Ecclesiarchy. They're basically a group of 
you know, poets, singers, actors, general drama folk. And before COVID, she went along with them. She played a character. And then COVID happened. She could only, she couldn't go back. Yeah. So she took a few years break from it. And then one day to me, she was just like, hey, would you ever want to go to LARP? And I was like, yeah. Do, do you know how? How do we get into that? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly how to get into it. I've got friends who do it. <laughs> Do you want to create some characters that have, like, you know, uh, a, a mixed backstory? And I was like, yeah, sounds great. Like, so that was literally that. I just got into it through Izzy. She did all the organization. She told me where to look, what to read. And we, we organized our first event about a year ago now. And we've been to four now, total. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's it's going pretty well. Uh, I'm still getting to grips with all of it because it yeah. is it's Empire LARP and Empire's the specific uh, sort of world. It's not like I'm making decisions. And oh, when I say specific world, it is a whole world with okay. several nations, deep history, historical characters. Wow. Just like an entire Wikipedia, absolutely full. Thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of lore. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And it's also incredibly daunting <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, yeah. It's extremely overwhelming because I'm trying to do research for it. I'm trying to get more into the world and learn more. But I open up a tab and I'm studying this specific subject. And then I'm like, oh. There's a link here, yeah. and they reference this character. I'll click on that link. Opens <laughs> up another page. Yeah. Oh, that's referenced this thing from this nation that our characters are on. I'll click. I'll click on that. Before I know it, thirty tabs. I'm not <laughs> And it gets way out of hand. And I, I, I end up spending four hours reading through all these Wikipedia pages. And I'm like, <laughs> how, how did I? How did I fall down this rabbit hole? Where's the, where's the top of it? And yeah, I go back yeah. to the original tab, and it is nothing to do with what I've ended up on. And I'm like, <laughs> I was reading that, wasn't I? Where was I? I go down one more paragraph and the whole cycle starts again. <laughs> and it is, it's both amazing and just incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. It takes time to get into. And I, re I think I'm at that point now where I can, I can hold a conversation in character. That's good. I can understand what people are talking about. Yeah. There are some things that slip through, but I, I understand most big references, and I think that's the turning point for it. Yeah. Where I can really start to get, I can stop observing in the world and start interacting with the world, yeah. which is what I'm really excited to do. Oh, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Have you, have you only got one character? Have you got a couple? It is just the one character. You can make multiple but I don't really know how it would work with that because yeah. obviously you're only one person. Yeah. So if you make multiple, you can only go to an event as one. You can't, you know, say, oh, I'm going to spend a day as this and a day as that. Yeah. But plus that's, that's going to confuse the hell out of the other people there. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that, yeah. Yeah. I think you can make multiple characters, especially if you want to retire a character. If you just think, yeah, I don't feel like playing this person anymore. I'm going to come up with some sort of law reason as to why they're going to go away. But yeah, it is just the one character. Obviously, if your character dies, you can make another one. Dying is a real thing that can actually happen because there are real battles. 
Yeah. Uh, Izzy's character almost died in a battle last time we went. Oh and my character doesn't do the battles because she's sort of a bit, just like me, quite timid when it comes to <laughs> okay. confrontation. Right. So, yeah, she's, she's a lot like me. My character's Lilith. And she's a lot like me in, in that if I were to be on an actual battlefield, I'd run away. <laughs> I wouldn't be want to be there. Yep. I'd see the, the shield wall, and there are shield walls, fully armored people running wow. at you. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to run this way. <laughs> so what sort of character is Lilith? Ooh, that's a, she is. If that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, She's kind of, essentially, she's my default go-to in a fantasy setting. So whenever I sort of encounter a fantasy setting where I can make a character, I'll always go to essentially what is, who is me, but an ideal version of me and can also do magic. Nice, yeah, sorry. That's kind of what I did. Yeah, it's like the first time I ever played Skyrim, that was my character. It was just me, but a wizard slash witch. And it was, Lilith is a, a magic user. Uh, I wear a lot of black, like I do in real life. Uh, but in LARP, I get to wear a cape and a hood and nice. uh, get to carry around a big staff and all these witchy trinkets. Cool. Um, she is a drow here, which is uh, sort of a, not a race, but a, a lineage is what they're referred to. Okay. It's a human who is touched by the winter realm. And the winter realm is sort of, imagine, imagine it like, um, if we're going back to 40k, imagine the warp. It's it's sort of a, an energy realm, uh, okay. right? Yeah. Is, is, so is this similar to like AOS where they've got the different realms? Almost, yeah, yes. But it's it's a bit like um, you've got the, the main world, but then you've got six different realms, and they are sort of parodies of the main world. Okay. But they're also okay. sort of energy dimensions, and they're impossible for a human to go into because it will just pull them out right. Okay, so I, I was about to say, is it similar to like planes in D anD D? But I know that he, people can go to the planes in D anD D. But okay, yeah, it's it's a li- it's similar, a little bit different, but yeah, all the different realms. There's winter, the, the, the all the four seasons: so winter, spring, summer, autumn, and then you've got the day and the night realms. Okay, and yeah, Lilith is a draugr who's touched by the winter realm, which makes her quite pale gives me an excuse to put on a very pale <laughs> foundation already quite pale but i can go paler uh gives me an excuse to put in red eye contacts which nice. drow can only have and then i get to do you know i get to go a little bit more goth than i knew, normally do and do veiny big black <laughs> eye makeup which is real fun i thought yeah. why not although i do Just... regret it a little bit now because it takes me hours to get ready <laughs> and in a tent <laughs> It's a bit draining. Yep. Yeah. So does the does the realm that you're touched by does that affect what sort of magic you can use, or is that kind of separate? Not necessarily. Anybody can use any sort of realm magic. Obviously, um, they didn't want to limit it to mm. you have to be this lineage to use this magic. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Someone might not want to do that. So it can be. Anyone of any lineage can do any sort of magic. But I think it does come into play when dealing with 
beings of those realms. Uh, so okay. there are these things called Eternals, which are, they're not gods, because the idea of ascending a god is sort of blasphemous in, in Empire a little bit. Okay. They're more like extremely powerful beings. Okay, yeah. More sort of Eternals. And they are normally linked to a realm. And they are more favourable to people who have uh, been touched by that realm. Mm, so okay. um, an example is my last event. There's an eternal called uh, Sorin, S-O-R-I-N. We're really getting into the, the depths of the nerd here. No, I like um, it. It was really interesting. So Sorin, a lot of Eternals don't really, some of them work with the Empire, some of them don't, some of them are really hostile, some of them are tricks the gods. Like, okay. there's a whole bunch of them. There's, there's got to be 30, 40 Eternals total, all representing different things. and. Sorin was a Winter Eternal, who the, the current Archmage of Winter organised a delegation with. So okay. Sorin sent through some, some representatives. And anyone could sit in, anyone who could enter, anyone who is a, a wizard who could cast the Operate's Portal spell, which lets them enter into the Hall of Worlds, which is like a pocket plane, which okay. magicians use to have meetings. It's a whole... It's crazy. You see what I mean when I, there's depth yeah, yeah. to this world. Yeah. There's crazy depth. So when these, uh, this delegation of this winter eternal Sorin came out, they were sort of like, if anyone has gifts for Sorin, come forth, but drow gears come first. Okay. Anyone is a drow gear, you get priority. Nice. <laughs> and I was sitting there like in my drow makeup, just like, do I go forward? What do I give to them at all? <laughs> and I had, oh, I had a really embarrassing moment. I hope nobody else noticed this, but I, I thought, I'll, I'll interact a little bit. I'll stop being an observer and start interacting. I'll, I'll go up and give a gift. And, um, the, the Archmage of Winter had previously given them some dragon bone, which is a, a rare material. There are a load of different rare materials in the world. All of them used to make different things, crafting recipes, different mm. magical things. And I was like, Oh, Sorin likes uh, dragon bone, this specific material. I'll go up. I have a bit spare in my pouch. I'll go up and offer it. So I stood up. I got in line with the other drow gear, and then I was like, "Is what I have dragon bone? Is is it dragon bone? <laughs> I don't know. It might be iridescent gloaming, which is a different thing that I had before. I have one of the two. I don't know." I don't want to go up and say I have some dragon bone and then give them the wrong thing and embarrass myself because the whole thing had an atmosphere of a very sort of tense diplomatic okay. meeting and I didn't want to like offend or just genuinely make a bit of an ass out of myself <laughs> in front of the Archmage yeah. of Winter who's like a, a, a big deal in the whole whole thing. Yeah. So I saw I was in line. And then I sort of just shuffled out of life and sat back down, got out my note, my notebook. I flicked to a few, uh, like events ago and I looked through where I thought my notes of where I got this material. And it turns out, yes, it was the wrong stuff. It wasn't dragon bone because I got these two materials to make a magical item. And I only had one of some of one left over. Okay. And it was the wrong one. So, yeah, it was just this little embarrassing moment where I thought, <laughs> I'll interact, I'll, I'll have fun, I'll do this thing. 
oh wait, oh no, do I, do what am I doing? <laughs> right? oh, no, I, I'm just going to sit right there. <laughs> it's a start. Yeah, yeah, it was a start. I stood up. I stood up and I was, I was ready to do it. And I kind of, yeah, part of me wishes that I'd just gone through with it and sort of learned through my mistakes. But also, there's always next event, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I see, you really went to fall. And I imagine the people that have been to tens, if not hundreds, of those sorts of events over their sort of mm-hmm. lifetime. Yeah, yeah, my God, there are some people who have been going for decades. I think mm. Empire specifically, I think it started, it might be in the 80s. I'm, wow. not, I'm not too sure about that. That might be LARP in general, but um, it's definitely been going for a while. And yeah. there are definitely some veterans there who know everything there is to know about anything. Yeah. Yeah, so how many people go to the sort of events? Because I know you talked about it on one of your Instagram posts. There's just like a hundred people. Is it the something, something March? You're saying there's like there's like a hundred people. The March of the Dead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, in terms of the amount of people who go to the event overall, it's probably reached about three thousand at this point. Wow. I know. There's been a massive, massive increase. There's in the events since me and Lizzie started going, it has just absolutely exploded to the point now where they're hiring the, the, the field across for more people to tent in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Previously, there was this whole other field that just wasn't used. And this event, that was completely open and like half full with tents. So the amount of people going is, is getting just exponentially growing. It's becoming mm. a lot more popular. And, um, as for the March of the Dead specifically, that is uh, like this tradition in so the whole the world has the empire itself is made out of several different nations, mm-hmm. and you can choose to be from these nations. Amenizi chose to be from High Guard, which are like they're not they're kind of like not the royalty, but they are the founders of the empire. Their territory okay. is right in the middle. They are the ones who created the empire. They consider themselves to be sort of the steadfast wardens. They are, right, you know, yeah. the keepers of the way. And this tradition, the March of the Dead, happens every winter solstice, every winter event, which is the one that's gone, mm-hmm. where all of the names of people who have died that past year uh, get recorded in this gigantic book, a book about the size of my torso, a massive thing. Uh, called the Book of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, the names get recorded. The book then gets blessed through ceremony. And then any high guard citizen who wishes to join in, which is most of them, will then proceed to march in line throughout the entire event site, weaving wow. in and out of all of the uh, tents. Some of them were carrying banners for their chapters. A lot of them are ringing bells in, in high guard tradition. I think ringing of bells signifies like a voice for the dead. Okay, yeah. And a lot of them are carrying torches. And yeah, we we didn't bring torches, me and Izzy, but they were being handed out oh, and lit. So me and Izzy just ended up holding these burning torches along with a lot of other. <laughs> yeah. And high guard tradition, uh, they love to wear, you know, big dark cloaks with the hoods up. Mm. Sort of having your hood up in high guard is considered a very 
an act of seriousness, you know? Okay, yeah. They're all marching through with their, their hoods up and their cloaks on, lots of fabric blowing about in the wind, everyone's <laughs> holding lit torches, yeah. the ground is a little bit slippery because it was raining the night before. I'm amazed there weren't any issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there certainly were a few times where I almost slipped over or I almost sort of wandered the burning torch too close to my face. Yeah. Or, But another sort of thing added to it is another tradition in High God is veils. Uh, to sort of have a, a veil yeah. over your face to mourn the dead. And because it's yeah. the March of the Dead, people have veils. And also people have veils because during the ceremony, literal death appears. Okay. Death himself just is there. And right. if you make okay. eye contact with death, you die. Oh, right. So okay. wear a veil. Yeah. yeah that makes to sense. stop that from happening. Yeah. So the fact that there was a few hundred people marching in muddy, marching around a muddy campsite holding lit torches, wearing <laughs> lots of cloth with their vision obscured. <laughs> I'm amazed nothing went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll stop talking about a lot before we go down this rabbit hole anymore. I think um, it's too late for that. The rabbit hole is well down. Very yeah. much at this point. Yeah, I'm worried the fact that I'm just going to end up spending the next four hours on Google just going through, through that now. But Yeah, okay. If you want me to send you a link to me, I will. Uh, yeah, maybe actually. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It maybe not tonight. Because, yeah, I probably need some sleep tonight. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the, the other thing that you're quite big into is D&D, which I imagine most of the people that listen to the podcast sort of do as well. Are you in a campaign at the moment or anything like that? Yes. I'm actually in uh, two campaigns right now. Nice. Uh, there is a weekly one which is EDMs every Thursday. Okay. Uh, I've been in it for just over a year now because uh, she invited me along to it shortly after we met. And the other campaign I just joined a few months ago, but it's a bit more of a, it's less frequent. It's okay, yeah. maybe one, two sessions a month if we're lucky. Yeah. So in Izzy's one, I sort of I play that same character that I always go back to, sort of the me but better and also has magic. <laughs> okay. But this time I decided to do a bit of a spin on it to push it a little bit further than just the generic thing that I always go for. And I tried to make this character a bit more of a kind of like a spy assassin. Oh, who's okay. a blade singer. Cool. So she's a high elf blade singer wizard called Thalassia. Uh, she's got a dark backstory, as every D and D character has. Yeah, you know? and, and you um, have to do yeah, that's that's the rule. It is D and D. It's it's the rules. If you don't have a dark, brooding backstory, why why are you about running about adventuring? Honestly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, the sort of deepest backstory that I ever went to with one of my characters was I had a warlock, and they uh they had woken up at some point and they were like stuck through with a double ended spear and they had no idea how they got to that point and basically there was a, a sort of a minor demon and I can't remember the name of him but yeah there's a minor demon that basically brought them back and took the spear out and sort of healed them and the the thing was that they had a real 
rivalry with the uh, God of Beasts, which again I can't remember the name of, but yeah, basically they had a, a rivalry with the God of Beasts. And so the idea was that the Warlock was basically allowed to go and do whatever they wanted, so long as any time they saw anything that could boost their deity's power or reduce the power of beast, the, the dog god of beasts, they had to do that. And so it was very much a mm. normal sort of person. So the, the double-ended spear actually became their, um, uh, their not totem. Oh, Sort of like their, their sort of source of power. So they'd be casting spells through and things like that. Ah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so normal, they sort of, they were chaotic good, I think. Maybe it was even chaotic neutral, I can't remember exactly. But yeah, basically they were just sort of really chill until they saw like a beast. And then that was it. They were just like red fog and they were like, right, I'm going to go kill that. It didn't really matter. Mm. And I, yeah, I nearly died a few times doing that. And the others were like, dude, just, that's a manticore. And like, yeah, but I, like, yeah, I have to go and kill it. And they're like, well, why? I'm like, because I have to. That's my thing. And yeah, so I'd, I'd like not revealed like what, why I had that back, like why I had to go kill beasts and things like that apart from to the DM. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I love doing that. I love it when a D&D character has a backstory that's only known to the DM and it has to sort of slowly be eked out through story yeah. and through interactions. And that does just make a, a D&D character feel so much more real and in the world, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. You, like, if you were that character, it's not like you'd meet a new group of like, oh, by the way, I'm Warlock. I'm sworn to this deity. This is how I did it. And this is why we do these things. Because if someone killed you and said that, you'd be like, I am not traveling anywhere with you if you're sworn to a dark god. Exactly. Yeah. They'd, they'd just be like, no, nothing to do with you. No thanks. Yeah. This isn't an evil campaign. Yeah. Especially if you've got a paladin in the group because they'd be like, absolutely not. Get out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I love it when you hear those, those quandaries people have where someone is really role playing their paladin to be like, no evil whatsoever. Yeah. And then you've got the rogue or the warlock <laughs> who's over yeah. there just like, I'm going to loot these corpses and do it in secret. <laughs> the paladin catches them and it's like, then they fight and it's like, just just chaos. It just yeah. falls into chaos like d and normally does. Yeah. I'm trying to work on a rule set at the moment. So I, I like to DM. I've I DM for, for quite a while. I'm work, trying to work on a rule set at the moment, which is like a 40k adapted one. And so you'd oh. have like, at the minute it's quite limited, but basically you play as a member of the, uh, the Death Watch. Why am I forgetting words? Yeah, you'd be like a member of the Death Watch. So you can be from whatever chapter you want. So you can choose a chapter. Yeah. But you've been seconded into the Death Watch. And basically, there's like five different generic classes. So there's like, there's one which like starts off as like a rank and file. Basically, you're a space marine. You don't really have a specialism. And as yeah. you go through, you become like, um, I think the, the level 20 equivalent is like a, a watch captain. Yeah. So that's one yeah. of them. There's another one for like an apothecary, a tech marine, chaplain. And the fifth one I've got is, what am I missing? Heavy weapons guy? No. So you can become a heavy weapons guy if, if you go down like the, the standard route. Because then you can pick okay. up like different different armors and like some of the like, armor is linked to what you can do as to when you can pick it up. So like a, an apothecary can't be like a Terminator in mine at the moment. You can only wear specific armor. What is the other one? Yeah. I know, a librarian. Oh, librarian, courses. Yeah. yeah. So at the minute, I'm I'm just trying to. I had this idea years ago, and I was like, I really want to do it, and I've only just kind of got recently round to to doing that and trying to like pull a lot of the stuff from D and D, so like mm-hmm. strength, dexterity, constitution, all the things like that, 
um, where tens across the board would be like a bog standard space marine and you sort of yeah. develop in certain areas. So like you get in live like really high charisma if you're like a chaplain or something like that. That's about as far as I've got with it. Yeah. Uh, the, the groundwork is there, definitely. Yeah. I think that's really smart taking those sort of common concepts, those core concepts from D&D because it is, 5th edition is such a widely known, probably the most widely known role-playing game system there is. Yeah. So sort of taking that from, there's nothing worse than when you, you, you see an RPG system and you think, that sounds really cool. I want to go to, learn, go to learn that. And you open the first book, first page, and it's it looks like alien scrollings. Yeah. It's just like, what is this? How does this work? Like, it's it's all based on D4s, what? Like, yeah. nothing worse than when an RPG system is just completely different than what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's another thing with, I really like the idea of starting as a normal space marine and then sort of working with different different space marine sort of um, specialties because yeah. I remember playing a 40k RPG a while ago. I think it was the official one that they have. But the sort okay. of issue with it was that all the different races, so many of them don't work together at all. So we were sort of railroaded into being either a sister of battle, space marine, or guardman. One person wanted to be an orc. Yeah. I would have loved to play a necron. But it was like, well, no, because these two people want to be Kriegsmen. So if you're an orc, you're just going to want to kill them. And if you're a yeah. necron, you probably want to kill the orc and then the Kriegsmen. And it just sort of didn't work out that way. So it's a little bit like, okay, I guess I'll play a sister of battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still pretty cool, but you know, not really what I wanted to play. So I think having that system of everybody's space marines, but different types of space marines could be really cool. And you could even sort of adapt that uh, on the other side and have the same thing with chaos. Yeah. You could go from a normal chaos marine, and then you could, uh, you could become a chaos lord, you become a possessed, you go down the route of demon prince or a sorcerer. Like, yeah, well, that could definitely work. There's a nice progression there. I hope so. Like I say it's, it's early days, and sort of the my first idea is to run a campaign on like a, just do like a space orc. And mm. so you sort of go in, and you sort of go in as like a kill team of a space marine. So you you're like you know your sort of specialty. So you have like an aspiring apothecary, and so you've got someone who like can heal up, but not really too much. So, like, so you got like cantrips and things like that equivalent. Yeah. And so yeah, you can go into the space orc, space orc, and try and build up there, and then eventually you go into like. I don't know, go into like a really advanced kill team if you're going to go and try and hunt for like the Swarm Lord or something like that. It's like, we need you five people. So you've got a Watch Captain, a Master Apothecary, Master of the Forge, uh, a Master Tech Marine or whatever. I can't remember. I've got like names for them. It's like, we've, take, we've picked the best of the Death Watch. You need to go and kill the Swarm Lord. Mm. Um, that's the plan anyway. But it, it'll probably be a very, yeah. very long thing. I've only started doing it fairly recently, but yeah, hopefully it'll work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sounds good though. Really fun. I don't know how we got that down that rabbit hole, but yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> we talked about D&D, but okay. So is there, there anything else that you sort of do to, to take some downtime that's not like Warhammer or LARPing and stuff like that? Well, one thing I used to do a lot of, I don't do it nearly as much anymore, is just video games. 
I used to yeah. spend a lot of time on my PC just sort of playing a load of different types of video games. I used to play a lot of uh, strategy games, sort of like things like Civ and whatnot. Yeah. I played, oof, I think I have 1,800 hours in Factorio. Nice. That's a great yeah. game. That's why I've got 1,800 hours in it. <laughs> That's a lot of hours, yeah. It's, it's way too many hours. Yeah, that's sort of the, the main thing of what I used to do before I got into back into Warhammer because before when I said painting took over my life, it took over my, my normal gaming time, painting yeah. time, which is why I spent so long painting because I used to spend so long gaming. <laughs> I don't do that nearly as much as I do I used to. I Every now and then I'll get a hankering. I'll sort of yeah. be like, oh. I really want to play this game. I'll just go spend a day doing that. Like, yeah. it's been a few times where I've gone and played a couple of days of uh, Satisfactory or a couple of days of games like small, quick games like Play Up. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, is he even trying to make a habit of every Tuesday as a game night? So, okay, cool. we'll be doing that. Uh, just to sort of, because we live quite far away from each other. Mm. Having game nights is, is a nice way to just have a, a sort of weekly, not meeting, but hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Minecraft is a really fun one that I've probably put thousands of hours into since I was yeah. like 11 and discovered it. <laughs> and since then, I've probably played every single mod under the sun when it comes to Minecraft. Yeah, I've been there, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, some some of those mod packs are addictive and immersive and just expansive. Yeah. Like my god, yeah. Um, the Arcana one was that one that I play that one all. The, I used to play that one all the time. Which one? It's like an Arcana one, so it's like a magic one. But it's it's called Arcana. Oh. So it's got like a blue sigil as the. Mm. I can't remember what it is now, but yeah, that was like introducing like magic into Minecraft, and yeah, that. Every mod pack that I used to play, I was like, I wanted to make sure that that is in it because at some point I want to do magic. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there were always those mods you look out for, wouldn't there? Like, um, yeah, like applied energetics. Yes. And yeah. Always want that. Always want some form of build craft. You always want Ender IO is a really nice. One. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how these things. It's been months since I played any Minecraft, but <laughs> all of I can remember the names of these mods. Yeah. Great yeah. in my brain. Yeah. Aside from aside from back to the original question, aside from games, I like to go see live music quite a bit. Okay. I really enjoy going to concerts. Uh, the week before last, I went to go see Paramore. Nice. The first time ever, which is a band that. I grew up listening to, so yeah. being able to see them live, even though we didn't, we, we got good seats, but we didn't get the standing, which was a bit, I would have loved to be down in the crowd, that's always where I love going to when I get to a concert, but that was amazing. Uh, I've had a few gigs this year, uh, I went and saw a band called Metric in Camden a few months ago, okay. some smaller bands, I like, I, I enjoy a lot of really small bands like a lot of my music is yeah. bands that have maybe 30,000 followers on Spotify so in terms of the grand scheme of Spotify very small yeah so whenever I go to see them in concert in a gig 
the venue is normally like max 500 people and there's only about 200 there. So I can really get up in the front and just sort of uh, give myself uh, a headache of how much I'm (laughs) throwing my head about. (laughs) Yeah, I love, I love going to, um, to live music. I mean, is he going to go see Tenacious D? Yeah, neither did I, but I got uh, an advert on TikTok because I was watching a bunch of Jack Black's TikToks and I was yeah. just like, hey, Tenacious D is touring. I was like, they're still going? <laughs> How yeah. much are tickets? <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go see that in a few months, which is crazy weird because yeah. that's another like sort of band that I've listened to since I was 14, 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Live music is always just it's it was something I missed out on in my teenage years. I was too nervous to go to a lot of them. So okay. now being in my mid twenties, I'm trying to make up for it and yeah. just go to as many as I possibly can. Yeah. Definitely do all I can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel I feel too I mean, I'm in my thirties. I already feel like I'm too old to go to that sort of stuff. I'm like oh, it's, it's, it's gone ten, there's no way I can stay out beyond beyond ten. That's crazy. Never too old. You just um just need some some ear earplugs that just to make sure you don't damage your hearing because um I've done that. I've damaged my hearing beyond repair at this point. <laughs> You've lived life. That's that's the key thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I spent too many of my teenage years just being nervous about everything, so I'm trying to catch up at this point now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was it. That was my last sort of main question i've only got one question left um this is back to warhammer if you could pick one person in the community they don't have to be a content creator or anything like that just somebody that might be in your gaming group or something like that and they could be the only person you play warhammer with for the rest of time who would it be oh god only person i could ever play warhammer against oh i don't know actually i do know no my friend casey because they are the friend who I mentioned previously who just said, hey, have you heard about Warhammer? Do you want to get into this? Right. They yep. got me back into the hobby. And honestly, every time I get to play against them, it's it's a treat. They're just one of my best friends. They're so lovely. They have orcs and Drakari, but okay. I think they're looking into some other, mo- some other armies and stuff. They want to get into AOS as well. So I think if I could only ever play Warhammer games, I'd definitely play it with them because I just love playing Warhammer with them. They're just so lovely. Yeah, that's the key thing about playing a hobby, isn't it? So yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. That's all of my questions. Thank you so, so much for, for coming on and, and answering and, and chatting. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've learned more about LARP today than I, mm. I ever have done. And I, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. Only just scratch the surface of LARP. <laughs> it is um it is deep. There is yeah. so much to get into. Yeah, but that, that thank you for having me. No, it's quite right. It's definitely alright. Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. Obviously if anybody else that listens wants to go and go and uh, find Rosie, uh you so your Rosie Paints one two three on Instagram. Yep. Right. Um is there anywhere anywhere else you wanna link people to or anything like that? Oh, uh, I have a Twitter that I never use, <laughs> which I think is also just at Rosie Paints one two three, or it might just be at Rosie Paints. 
Uh, I have a TikTok that I very sometimes post very stupid Warhammer memes on, <laughs> uh, which is Rosie Drinks Paint. Nice. That's a, and, that's a great um, name. Yeah. Yeah. Rosie Paint was taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I re- highly recommend everybody that is listening who has, doesn't already follow Rosie, which probably won't be many, but yeah, definitely go and give Rosie a follow and, and see some of those truly beautiful models. Uh, and you post some of your lot pictures on there as well, in character. Yeah. And also to everyone who's listening, if this is the first episode of this podcast I've listened to, go back and listen to all the previous ones. Start from the beginning. The first one is with Quipster, who's a lovely guy, and just listen to the rest. They're all with amazing people, and Ben does an amazing job of asking great questions. Thank you. Really appreciate that. I hope so. It's uh, it's fun to make, so as long as people keep coming back, I'll I'll definitely keep making them. yeah, and that, that's it. Um, so I hope, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show as much as, as much as I did. And yeah, thanks for joining me again and for joining Rosie. And if you did enjoy it, please subscribe or leave a review kind of wherever you, you sort of found it. And as always, anyone's more than welcome to get in touch. You can get me on, uh, first rank fire podcast at gmail.com or yeah, definitely head over to my Instagram, uh, sort of give me a, give me a message on there and answer anybody that sort of comes up. I'm happy to chat 40k Warhammer at any point. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.